Hello and welcome to the History of Video Games. My name is Ben. I'm joined by the one and only Wes. How you doing, Wes? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't sound too sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I'm a little tired, but uh, I'm doing good. You know, I've been playing some games. I've actually been ignoring my work and playing games. Oh, that's great. That's what oh, you yeah. got to do. <laughs> it was great at the time, and now I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you want to get us started? I'm curious to hear what was so important that you had to not oh, yeah. work for it. Well, actually, I've got a couple things I got to talk about. Let me talk about something else first, Wes. Okay. And that's that I bought House Flipper on the whim and it was on the, it was on a sale, right? Okay. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this game, but it's kind of like one of these simulation games, like Farming Simulator or something. Yes. This is like yes. House Flipping Simulator. Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah, like I bought it. I played it for maybe 10 hours or so, and I thought it was really fun. And then I was like, okay, that's it now. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it was like, <laughs> I kind of saw everything the game had to offer. And then I was like, that's it. You know, <laughs> there's nothing right. else. Uh, um, dang. Because the game is really just, you buy a house, right? And it's full of junk. You clear out all the junk, which is probably my favorite part. <laughs> and, you know, remove all the stains. And then you usually have to paint the walls, buy some furniture, and you sell it. And um, part of it's fun because you're designing houses, right? Just like in The Sims, building your house is super fun. Right, doing interior design and all that. Yeah, but unlike The Sims... There's no other gameplay, so <laughs> you just keep building houses and decorating them over and over and over and over again, and for a couple <laughs> times it's fun, and then now I'm kind of done with it. <laughs> it's weird, though. There's a couple things about it that kind of run me the wrong way, like whenever you have to buy furniture, you do that on your iPad in the game. It's like a fake iPad, right? And there's a little animation of you putting the iPad up to your face and then taking it down from your face every time you have to buy anything. And after buying like a hundred items, that animation just becomes excruciating to watch through again <laughs> and again and again. And uh, compared to, again, something like The Sims, The Sims, you could just have the buy menu open as like a sub menu, right? So you can kind of like just click something, preview it in the space and then be like, oh no, I don't like that. And then try something else. It's really easy. Right. But in this game, it's like you click something to preview it and you close the menu, right? Because it's putting it back in the real world space. And then it's like, okay, I don't like that. So bring the menu back up, click a different item, put the menu back down again. Oh, no. <laughs> this seems kind of silly. <laughs> but that kind of is annoying. And the other thing is that the game doesn't have any idea if you're doing a good job or not. You know, I think how the way it works is pretty much like, let's say you buy a TV for the home, then that TV costs you like $600. So you're going to make like $800 profit. Like the game's just given that to you. And, you know, I think there's maybe some sort of drop off. So you can't just buy like a bajillion TVs and make a bunch of money. Right. But, you know, it doesn't know that like the TV could be like in a corner and there's no sofa facing it. Like the f sofa could be facing the, the wrong way and the game would know, you know? Or like if I had four different 
like kitchen cabinets and they were all different colors it would look hideous but the game's like you got four cabinets in there good job <laughs> <laughs> so it's weird like on one hand part of the fun i think of it is you get to design it and make it really nice looking on the inside but then on the other side the gameplay is like it's kind of almost pushing me to just do it as fast as i can because i know like it doesn't matter if i make it look good or not you know it just wants a new coat of paint on there or whatever so i don't know it's this weird combination of factors that just kind of have ruined it a little bit for me and there's nothing right. really to do now it's just like after i played a lot i've done all these like little missions they have and so now it's just buy a bigger house and paint that one up and then buy a bigger house and paint that one up it's like okay where are we going here <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> So I think I'm pretty much done with it now, but it was fun for a little while. It kind of makes me want to buy Eviscerer, I think it was Eviscerer Cleanup, because that's the cleanup part's probably my favorite part. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Viscerer Cleanup detail, right? Yeah, yeah. When we're basically like cleaning up like horror scenes or yeah, <laughs> as if it was like Doom, the whole Doom game just happened and now you're cleaning up after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe I'll get that sometime. Yeah, but for this one, I don't know. The actual house flipping part is maybe the weakest part. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that makes me think of another game too, which I don't know if it would be up your alley. Uh, I haven't played it yet, but I believe it's called Unpacking. It's got kind of like these 16-bit graphics, and it's just about taking boxes and like you just moved into this house or apartment, and you kind of have to like sort everything and like put it where you oh, want okay. stuff to go, and. uh it's got like really like oddly specific sound design. Like if you're putting like a can of Lysol down on the sink, it sounds different on the sink than it does on the toilet than it does on the ground and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. <laughs> might be a fun one to check out. Yeah, I'm not usually like into these simulation kind of games, but I don't know. I just decided to pick this one up and try it. And not to say that I don't usually like them, but I feel like usually they're kind of almost grindy. If I think about like farming simulator or trucking simulator. You know, how, how quick does it take to get a new truck in those games? Probably forever, but yeah, maybe yeah. I'm incorrect. I don't know. But yeah, this one was all right, but just some weird design choices I would never do. Yeah, sounds like but, it. Uh, what have you been up to, Wes? Well, so I've been playing, uh, I mean, a lot of the classics, but what I wanted to talk about today was Halo Infinite, specifically right. the multiplayer. I checked it out right when it came out because it is free to play which is always great and i hadn't been paying attention to the development of the game or anything so i had no idea it was going to be free on release and so far it's super fun it just feels exactly like playing halo 2 on the xbox did when i was a kid uh, so it's definitely hitting that nostalgia for me it took away some of the guns i like and added new weird guns but still really fun to play and it's nice to just have a free shooter team deathmatch capture the flag kind of game to be able to jump into uh, without having to commit the 60 dollars for something where i'd only play like a couple of times a month and never play the single player campaign or something like that mm -hmm. but i was surprised at how good it is how well optimized it is because my machine is getting a little bit old because I don't feel like buying a new graphics card while they're still so freaking expensive and it runs very well on it. The 
Battle Pass, though, has been a point of contention because it's really grindy and the experience you get from each match isn't that great. Uh, it does the sort of model where you get a little bit of experience for doing each match, but the majority of your experience is for doing challenges like kill five players with headshots with this gun or you know whatever mm -hmm. kind of scenario that it is. And those challenges, most of them are pretty good. Uh, I only had a few that I was like, that's too much of a grind. I don't feel like doing that. But it did seem like pretty slow progression. And I think the real issue has been that the paid battle pass is just as slow. So for me, even though the cosmetics are really cool in this game, I was kind of fine if I didn't get access to that much because I was mainly just in it for the gameplay. But I could see how it would be pretty disappointing if you actually paid for this battle pass and you just feel like you're not getting any or much benefit over the people who have the free version i mean they definitely get a lot more stuff but there's i don't even know if there was like battle pass xp boosts i think they have taken those uh criticisms to heart and uh bungie i guess is making it so it progresses a little bit faster and i think they've been pretty responsive so far so I'm hopeful for it improving in the future. Not sure if I'm going to be tuning in every season to make sure I get all the cosmetics. That's not really up for that grind. But like I said, it's just kind of nice having this game that I can just hop into, do a quick team deathmatch, and whether I get stomped or whether I kill a few people, I'm still having a good time. It's definitely good to be back in that mix of Halo, like uh, crazy warthog tank vehicle gameplay and uh classic like melee sword energy i don't know just all the classic halo stuff is there which i love do they have more uh, maps than battlefront 2 <laughs> you know what i think they might uh actually <laughs> yeah about the same or more and it just came out so you know they could always add more maps right uh, <laughs> yeah star wars battlefront came out a couple years ago now <laughs> Battlefront 2. Yes, yeah. Although, for many reasons, I assume it's not supported <laughs> anymore. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but it does make me think of how it's a little weird in that game. That's kind of, it feels like each game mode that you're queuing into, there's only like four maps available. Mm -hmm. And I really like, I don't necessarily like when people reuse maps and there's no additional maps, but I always think it's a nice option when like there's a big map that you can do vehicle team deathmatch on but then there's a smaller section of this map that now becomes just a free-for-all eight-player map uh, yeah. where you're like reusing portions of the map and i don't think there's any of that in this which is a bit of a bummer because they have such great looking maps it's like i'd be fine playing this map on eight different game modes if it was kind of retooled but maybe that's just me hmm. all right cool yeah i i played halo two and three no one and two, I think. I never really got into the multiplayer like super. Like some people really got into it. I didn't like get into it that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a whole competitive scene for it. I'm sure it's being revived now. I only mainly mm. did it just as like my neighbors came over and played. But you know, still, nice. that's a very like specific point in your life when it's like you're just hanging out with people and doing LAN parties. They're all playing on a console. So it was mm -hmm. fun to relive that. Definitely. All right, cool, Wes. Well, um. Let's move on to the special topic. We have a very sad one today. Oh no. Uh, yes. Something close to my heart. Meadows Games. 
Man, the darling. They're no more after today. <laughs> They're gone. It's I know. It's sad to say. So uh, why don't we hop into their history a little bit, and then later in the timeline we'll hit their final game. Uh, yep. You want to start us off, Wes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we knew this day was coming, <laughs> as evidenced by the fact that every time Meadows Games came out with a new game, we were like, boy, I hope they still have a couple more in them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but today's going to be the last one, so let's take a look back at how it started. They actually are a pretty young company uh, compared to some of the other ones who are you know, around this time starting to fold or get out of the gaming business. Meadows Games was created in 1974 by Harry Couric. And I think part of that's because it was a subsidiary of another company. He had a manufacturing company called Meadows Manufacturing. And apparently he created this company, uh, Meadows Games, because he thought the U.S. economy was about to go into recession. And he believed the arcade industry was recession proof. I don't know how what? accurate that ended up being. I mean, it, the company is going to be folding here five years after it started. <laughs> not sure if those was directly related or not. but. Uh, a bold move to really go all in on the arcade industry. But Meadows was also one of the four big early game companies, all based in Sunnyvale, California. They were there along Ramtech, Atari, and Project Support Engineering, who uh, also is no longer in the game now. So when you're talking about local competitors, it's easy to see why these two, Project Support Engineering and Meadows Games, might not have had tons and tons of sales if they're competing with both Ramtech and Atari. But by 1978, the company's most recent games, even though there are a lot of the weird, funky ones that we love, weren't really big sellers. Uh, they had a lot of success initially with their Pong clone kind of games, uh, things like Flim Flam, but all the different types of games that they tried to do didn't really work out. So Harry Couric ended up selling the company to an audio company from Massachusetts called Holosonic in 1978. And Holosonic closed the company down in 1979. So they're really, they really weren't with that company for too long. So unfortunately, that's basically the short history of Meadows Games. Uh, hopefully we'll see some of the developers and engineers who worked in the company show up in other companies, as I'm pretty sure they will. But for now, that's kind of it. So Ben, do you want to just kind of take us through memory lane and look at the games that they've come out with? Yeah, because we, uh, we have covered every game by them, starting in 74 with Flim Flam and Flim Flam 2, which were the Odyssey-style version of Pong, so you could kind of move in four directions. And then in 75, that was the real year where they, you know, grabbed our, our attention with Drop Zone 4 with the multicolored gradient background sky. Super cool. They also were going to release a pinball-type game that year called Star Shooter, but it bombed in testing and never released. I will say, um, in addition to all these video games, they also made traditional pinball cabinets and some even electromechanical stuff from time to time. And then in 76, they really took off and have a lot of games here, including Bombs Away, which you covered, Wes, the sequel to Drop Zone 4. They also have Skidzo, which was some sort of Pong clone that used Inertia. So it's kind of hard to slow down the paddles, which doesn't sound good, but <laughs> uh, was interesting. <laughs> then we have 4-1 by Meadows Games, which had Tennis Hockey Knockout and Knockout Doubles. We have Cobra Gunship, which was a first-person aircraft fighting game, like um, 
Atari had one of these too. I forget what it was called. But there was definitely a, a fad at some point with first-person aircraft games. <laughs> and they were in there. We have Laser Command, which was in my top games of the year for 76, which was this tank game where you could leave the tank and hop in a different tank. Kind of cool. Um, we have Bigfoot Bonkers, which was a blockade clone. And then in 77, we have Meadows Lanes, their first bowling game. And Inferno, a crazy firefighting game that I remember oh, yeah. very well. <laughs> then moving into 78, we're starting to slow down now, unfortunately. We got 3D Bowling, their updated version of Meadows Lanes. Dead Eye, which was a juggling type game where you shot a coin to keep it in the air. And Gypsy Juggler, which you did, was well, a weird juggling game. I think you juggled eggs. What, I, is that right? Yes, I believe so. I think so, something like that. And yeah. then in 79, or we, where we're at today, in March of this year, they did kind of maybe release Gridiron, which is <laughs> some kind of black and white football game that we don't really know a whole lot about. Maybe it never went into production, but they certainly were marketing it. And then the final one today will be called Warp Speed. And we'll talk about that when we get into the timeline. So a lot of great games there, Wes. Some of my favorites, Drop Zone 4, obviously, it's a classic. Laser Command, um, even Bigfoot Bonkers and Inferno, just super weird. And even the ones at the end, like the juggling games, I remember them very fondly. Uh, they weren't the best games of the year, but they were really cool and very unique always. Absolutely. So it is going to be a shame to see Meadows games go, but I know we're going to have some other great companies that are coming out with weird stuff. But with that being said, why don't we take a look at their last game along with a bunch of other games in our timeline. Hey everybody, welcome back. Let's get straight into our timeline for today with a handheld game. Uh, we are going to be talking about Super Galaxy Invader and Super Missile Vader by Bandai, uh, which were actually pretty cool looking handheld versions of Space Invaders. Uh, they, you know, couldn't do as many things, so they only had about like six Space Invaders on the screen at the same time. And it was still using those red LED graphics, but it did have some pretty cool planet overlays. So it looked like you were actually defending the planet from invaders. Just a neat little handheld that we wanted to mention there at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then we've got a couple more handhelds here. We got Baseball and Baseball 2 by Entex. Hip Pocket Baseball by Entex. Baseball by Gakken. And Baseball 2 by Sears. These all seem to be pretty much identical versions of baseball, of Mattel's baseball. <laughs> and some of them did feature a second player, so you could play two-player with one handheld, but they seemed kind of RNG and just not very good. So we're just going to mention them. And then that brings us to the first game of the day that I rated, Deep Scan by Sega and Gremlin. Uh, now this is basically looks like a kind of sequel or reimagining of Depth Charge, which was a game originally put out by UPL and Gremlin. So obviously they had the technology that they needed to make this new version. 
And the gameplay, because it's a sequel to Depth Charge, is pretty similar at the base level. You know, still this type of game where at the top of the screen, you're shooting depth charges to the left or right of the screen and trying to drop the charges on subs that the deeper in the ocean the subs are, the more points they're worth. Uh, the depth charges you can run out of if you spam the button and I think do six at one time, but they refill over time. So it's not like you have to go all the way empty and then reload. And you actually have multiple lives, I think three or four. Uh, so you can die a couple times to get your high score. But the gameplay is also different in a few key interesting ways. Uh, the game gets harder as your score reaches certain thresholds. It seems like the speed of the mines that the subs let loose that float to the surface increases as your score goes higher and also the subs go across the screen faster. And it really can get pretty hectic once you've racked up a decent score. And the other really big gameplay difference is that on the bottom of the screen, they've moved all the score information to the bottom of the screen instead of on top where I believe it used to be. There's also this large rectangular section in the middle of the scoreboard called the viewport, which shows basically a black and green radar of the game board and or the play field, I guess I should say, of where, you know, the submarines are going under your ship. But it also shows a pretty big section to both the left and right of the playfield so that you can see the subs as they're coming onto the screen, uh, which kind of adds this whole new strategy element to it. Previous game, it was sort of just learning the timing of when certain subs show up and then trying to get them as they come on the screen. This one, you can actually see when a cluster of four different subs is coming onto the screen and plan for it, which is really cool. But other than that, it is a pretty similar game. Uh, it's still, you know, just kind of dropping bombs on submarines. So uh, let me get into my ratings for it and explain it a little bit more. For graphics, I gave it a 2.5 out of 10. I mean, you would think depth charge in color. Pretty exciting, right? But these colors are kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> they are a nice change, to be sure. But compared to some of the other things that we've seen, and especially just talking about Drop Zone 4 and how it had that gradient sky background, it all seems a little flat. The ocean is just one light blue color. I believe the ship is red, and then there's also a different blue for the sky color. And then all the subs are white. So not having sort of these darker blue gradients for a game where the deeper in the ocean that these submarines are, the more points they're worth. It kind of felt like a huge loss. Uh, it still definitely looks good compared to uh, the old depth charge, but that was all the way back in 77. So I think DeepScan kind of misses the mark as far as adding color. It seemed to just add enough, uh, but not really enough to blow me away in 1979. Other than that, though, the mines and depth charges, I believe, are exactly the same, uh, which the depth charges looked pretty good. They're these kind of like spinning rectangles that slowly rotate as they go through the water. So that looks pretty cool. The battleship looks basically the same, although it does have a little bit more detail on it. And the subs are actually less detailed, which is a little weird. But they definitely did that because they uh, wanted to fit more subs on the screen at a time. So I think. 
that's a pretty fair trade-off. They don't look that bad. They just lost the little propeller detail that used to be on the back of them in depth charge. But that being said, they can put a lot on the screen at the same time. Uh, it doesn't look like you ever get top to bottom all of them spawn in because there's something like 12 different rows that these subs can come in on, uh, horizontal rows. But I have seen six on the screen at the same time and frequently like four or five coming in big clusters while another like two are going along the bottom. So it definitely has more like going on than the old one did with these pretty big subs and only a few of them on screen at the time. There's also nice visuals when this sub gets hit or, or when a sub gets hit and sinks and when a mine breaks surface, there's this really cool explosion uh, and water flying up into the air, which actually looks pretty good. Really, one of my favorite visual elements of the game is just the viewport that I was talking about at the bottom of the screen. It's super simple, but you can see clearly in the black and green display, like these little images of subs floating towards the play field. And it just kind of tells you all the information that you need to know. I feel like it was a feature that was added and executed well enough that it actually helped. The visuals were good enough that it actually helped the gameplay, which is great. For the sounds, I gave it a 1.5 out of 10 here. The sounds in this game are pretty good, but the problem is I think they're exactly the same as the original. Depth Charge did have really good sounds for the time. It had like water splashes, these bassy underwater explosions, and the sort of like pulsing sonar noise. So it's great that all of them are the same sounds because they were good sounds before, but it just feels a little strange that they didn't add anything else to it or change up all these different explosion sounds any. So it's not to say that the sounds are bad, it's just to say when I know that this is the second type of this game coming from Gremlin, I would have hoped that they would have improved it a little bit more. The gameplay though, still that core depth charge gameplay that's always pretty fun but never monumentally thrilling. Uh, so that prompted me to give it a 2 out of 10 for gameplay. But I do think there are some nice new additions in this game that really switch things up. Uh, of course, one of them is the great viewport mechanic. Uh, I feel like we don't really see this type of thing in other shooting gallery games, although I'm sure it's going to pop up from time to time. But it's a really cool addition to make it so you can sort of plan ahead and you're not just keeping track of everything on screen, but now you have to keep, a tra keep track of everything that's off screen and coming onto the screen. Uh, so I think it adds a little bit more hecticness and gives you some more stuff to balance, uh, which makes the gameplay a little bit more interesting. And with the viewport, it also feels really great when you see all the way on the bottom row this like 80 point sub is coming from off the screen and you're able to just successfully time a depth charge so that it hits it right when it comes on the screen so that whole viewport just leads to some really fun moments like that also the increasing difficulty when your score goes up is really cool the amount of subs that can be on screen at the same time is pretty great and i also noticed that it seems like they have certain patterns that they spawn in uh, which i think is linked to certain point goals so say like you hit like a thousand points and then all the subs spawn in a line and they're letting loose mines all the time instead of like 
every couple seconds like they usually do. So it makes it this almost like mini boss fight that you have to get through. It's really unique and it's character to the game in the same way that like different waves in Galaga kind of give you a theme for each uh, wave of aliens that you're fighting. Uh, so it's a small thing, but the fact that you know like, oh, once I get this many points, I'm going to have to contend with this diagonal line of subs that's letting loose like tons of mines to kill me. It's neat to have that uh, hurdle that you know is going to be there every time that you have to get through. So I just thought that, that was some cool addition instead of the randomly spawning subs all over the place. For relevance, I just gave it a 5 out of 10. I love seeing more Sega Gremlin games, and I'm excited for more in the future. But this one just doesn't feel particularly, particularly important. Uh, it added some fun new stuff to the gameplay. It added true color, but it doesn't really feel like it's breaking a ton of new ground. The true color isn't like ahead of its time or anything like that. And so overall, that left me with a 2.25 out of 10. Deep Scan has some interesting twists and changes up Death Charge, uh, the Depth Charge gameplay a decent bit, but not really enough to make it stand out. Uh, it's definitely better than the original game, though, I think. It's the one that you would want to play if you wanted to go back and play one of these types of games. But it's still pretty simple overall. The viewport mechanic is kind of carrying it. Um, and yeah, it just didn't impress me all that much. But still a cool game and need to see some innovations on this depth charge type of gameplay because we've seen so many clones that are exactly the same game. And this at least has a few different uh, gameplay elements to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that viewport uh, kind of mini-map thing to me is the best part. Yes, mini-map's a good way to describe it, too. Yeah, it just adds that extra layer of planning, which is nice. Complicates the gameplay just enough. And I think it's kind of required because it takes so long for the mine to go down to the low depths that I don't think it's possible to, like, hit a sub that's really low and fire off your depth charge like while it's on screen like you have to fire it before it comes on screen almost yes yeah exactly yeah i felt like in depth charge the original game you were basically only hitting the bottom row if you randomly missed another target and it hit it right. like just <laughs> out of luck or something um so yeah it definitely gives you makes you feel like you can actually try and get all of the subs that are on screen yeah so that is Deep Scan, and then next on our timeline, we have Deep Scan by Sonic, which is just a Spanish clone of Deep Scan. Mm -hmm. All right, and then we're going to move into the first one that I rated today. It's a weird one, Wes. Oh, I love weird ones. <laughs> I know, it's hard to describe, really, so I'll do my best. Uh, the game's called Field Goal by Taito, and, you know, Taito doesn't make a whole lot of games, but whenever they do, they're usually pretty good. This one... I'll uh, let you be the judge what you think, Wes. It's a breakout type game. So already I'm like thinking, man, this is probably two years too old. <laughs> or, you know, should have came out two years ago. But it's really weird. It's called Field Goal and it's themed after American football. Okay. But it's kind of like Breakout, except there's this goal. It's a small goal at the far side of the um, the screen that you want to try to hit, which makes me feel like it's more like a soccer game because 
I mean, maybe they're thinking you're kicking the ball, but they're, as I'll describe, there's like things in your path, right? That you're destroying. So <laughs> it doesn't really feel like, it feels like it would have been better as a soccer game, but whatever. Um, it's kind of weird. So you have that goal in the back and kind of guarding that goal is three rows of helmets. So these helmets look very similar to actual, actually, they look very similar to Pac-Man. <laughs> Interesting. To me, they don't look like helmets. I don't know what they look like. They look very, they look almost like little pieces of shrimp. They're very strange looking. Um, I can kind of see the helmet in there, but if I didn't know it was a helmet, I don't think I would have known <laughs> what they were. And there's three rows of those, and those rows are moving at the same time. Some of them are moving to the left, some of them are moving to the right. So it's kind of like really a circle of helmets but only half are on the screen at a time or something like that, and you're slowly rotating through the circle. But whenever you clear a row of helmets, you'll get a bunch of extra points and a little animation plays of them marching back on, like our new row coming up. <laughs> and uh, I kind of like that animation, and the sound effect is cool as well. But it's kind of like an endless breakout kind of game with one other factor, which is that every now and then an image of a football player which is very different from the helmet it's a full body dude <laughs> runs onto the course and i think he's just there to try to get into your way and he makes the weirdest sounds when you hit him but you can eventually hit him a couple times and he'll fall over and disappear but that's a very very weird part because it's like this is random sprite of a football player just running around and i think maybe like the with the sound effects, I think maybe he even is supposed to be like taunting you. I don't really know. Um, all the flyers for this game are in Japanese, so I've got no clue what he's supposed to be doing there. But it looks really out of place and just really weird. <laughs> um, and as far as like what you are, you're just a normal looking paddle. And uh, the pong ball here is, again, weirdly shaped. I think it's supposed to be a football that's rotating, but it's kind of confusing to look at everything is in true color you've got three rows of helmets and they're all in different colors a blue a, a yellow and a red row and then the field itself is just green your paddle is pink for some reason and then uh, when the dude comes out and runs onto the field he's uh i think i've seen him in a couple colors at least pink and maybe white as well so it's a very colorful game but there's not like any depth you know like different hash markings that would say you're on a football field or anything like that it's just a green background pretty much <laughs> so it looks pretty strange <laughs> and the whole game itself is pretty strange <laughs> um the other thing i want to say quick regarding the gameplay it's one of those where the better you do the faster the ball gets and the smaller your paddle gets and we're talking insane levels of speed <laughs> that it goes to there's no way I could do more than like a couple hits without dying. I found there's only one video of this game on the internet that I found. And the guy does really well. He hits the ball every time, but it's just like moving at supersonic speed. So I don't know how he's doing it. <laughs> and the paddle is super small. But, you know, with Breakout, there's not really too much to say. And. I don't think he's really like aiming too much you know it's just kind of like i just need to hit this ball and wherever it goes i'm gonna get some points <laughs> right yeah so um 
it's it's pretty standard. It's just like a very strange take on it with these concentric rings of helmets guarding a goal at the end. So, <laughs> um, and kind of like basically a high score kind of game. But that being said, let me get into my ratings. For gameplay, I gave it a 2.25 out of 10. I mean, I like Breakout as much as the last guy, but we have seen a lot of them. And to be honest, to be fair, like this game is very different from from a normal looking Breakout game with its theming and the helmets and the random dude that runs onto the field. <laughs> but it is just Breakout, and uh, like it doesn't feel any different when you play it from like a Breakout game. Um, it's just like a little bit more flashy, I guess you could say. And uh, not having any like variations like some of the other ones we've played make it a little samey, I'll say. But uh, you know, it's still a decent time. So for graphics, I just gave it a two because I don't really know what to what to think of the graphics. The helmets <laughs> don't look like helmets. There's a random guy that runs onto the field that his animations are like so comical and crazy looking. He just looks completely out of place from the rest of the game. And it's um very colorful, but not in a building world kind of way, more just in like a hey look, we can do true color and here's a bunch of colors kind of way. <laughs> I don't know, I think it looks okay, but it would have been better if it if uh it had focused on like different parts to make the game feel more like a football game instead of a weird breakout game or something, I think. For sound, it actually has really good sounds and really strange sounds. Like I mentioned, <laughs> the guy like kind of taunting you. For the most part, the normal gameplay is what you would expect from a breakout game. You know, just beeps. But like the weird dude taunting you, and like I think he also makes noises when you hit him, is weird. And then you have the the helmets when a whole row goes down. Their little sound effect plays and then you hear like marching footsteps and they come back on the field um to like give you a new line pretty much and you also have whenever you make a goal at the end there's a special noise and throughout all of this there's um music like little short music interludes that play seemingly all the time like whenever anything happens that i mentioned like you clear a row or you hit the guy down or sometimes when you get a score just tons of these little music things. I don't think they're from anything. They seem original to me, but they're just little short snippets and they add a lot. Like I really like all the, the music sound effects. So wanted to give it some points in sound, although the core sound is still just bleeps bloops, <laughs> but there right. is a lot extra there. <laughs> For relevance, I mean, I don't think anybody knows about this game. It's not emulated, so I couldn't play it. And there's only one video of it on YouTube from, you know, someone in Japan who uploaded it from an actual arcade cabinet, thankfully. But it just doesn't seem very popular. So 
I don't know if it just came out too late or whatever it was, but yeah, I don't think a lot of people really played this. It is Taito, so I ended up giving it a 4 out of 10 for relevance just because of Taito's name associated with it. And uh, I don't know if it's going to influence Pac-Man at all <laughs> with just the way it looks. I mean, it's very <laughs> Pac-Man looking for the helmets. Um, but, you know, it's not, I don't think it's too big. So overall, I give it a 2.25 out of 10. It's just a very wacky version of Breakout. It has a lot of parts that kind of make you scratch your head, but then also a lot of great things about it, like the sound and the music and kind of the unending gameplay part of it. So you can just keep playing forever if you're good enough. There's some things to like here, but it's just a very strange mashup. <laughs> and I don't know if I like everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, that's for sure a weird one. You weren't kidding, but interesting. <laughs> At least I, I love that, you know, no offense to the people who made this, but it does give you the feel of someone who's like, OK, we want to make a game out of American football, but like we don't get what goes on in American football. Yeah, <laughs> which is exactly. fair because it's a confusing game, but it's just like yeah. <laughs> I like the fact that you're hitting helmets like you're just getting those hel people out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's the I don't know, like you have the goal at the end and maybe it's supposed to be a field goal it is called field goal so maybe you could say that's not that's why it's like smaller than what the end zone would be which would be the full side right right but it's still very strange like nobody would be kicking the ball over and over and over again like this right. so the imagery is you're kicking it into someone's head catching it and then kicking it again yeah exactly <laughs> that's pretty good well yeah i mean we love weird games so. yeah <laughs> Whether it's good it's or true. not, we can't necessarily say. <laughs> but I guess uh, with that, we can keep moving through our timeline. Uh, next up, we have Crash by Exidy, which uh, all these games today, either we had no date for or they are coming out in July. And uh, Crash was a head-on clone that had slightly better graphics and a second AI trying to crash into you, hence the name. Mm -hmm. We also have Splash by Atari, came out sometime in 79, it was some sort of Atari bootleg or prototype apparently, made from Exidy's Crash. It seems like a pretty standard, um, you know, head-on clone as well. I don't think it was ever released, but prototyped. And then next we have Runaway, aka GT Runaway by Sun Electronics and Gifutoki. This looks like a clone of head-on, but again, we don't have too much info on this one. Makes sense that there's going to be a lot of head-on clones in this time, though. Mm -hmm. And then we have the second game that I reviewed today, Solar War by Atari. And you know I had to be excited when I heard the name Solar War. Uh, basically oh, yeah. just swap out Star Wars. What's another sun? Or what's another star? The sun. Solar War. There you go. <laughs> but oddly enough, this is basically a follow-up to Video Pinball, which Ben reviewed and loved. This game, though, for whatever reason, only released five cabinets and 300 kits. Uh, there's not much information on it, so we're not too sure if I didn't do well in like initial sales, so they canceled it, or if they ate a couple and they didn't sell well or whatever. But 
there's only a few of these really in existence, and who knows how many of those kits were actually purchased and assembled. As for the gameplay, it is basically, uh, just like video pinball, a video pinball game. So that's pretty much exactly what you would expect there. Although, like video pinball by Atari, it's much better than all the other like weird pinball games that are basically breakout or pong type games that where video pinball that gb1 you did yes yeah the um bombi by uh namco right mm -hmm. so it's much more just literally what you would expect this one does only have flippers at the bottom of the screen while video pinball had two rows of flippers uh one pair that was halfway up the screen and just like its predecessor, there are tons of different ways to score points. Everything from gathering letters across the words to or across the screen to make a word, bumpers that change their point values when you hit a certain amount of times, and then these little panels that you can uh, hit. And if you clear all of them, you get bonus points. All the classic pinball machine type stuff. And it also has a nudge or tilt button. So it can mimic the idea of like shaking the real pinball cabinet to try and get the ball to not fall off the edge or to go into a certain place that gives you points. Uh, so it's a really nice touch there. But other than that, it is pretty similar to video pinball. So I'm going to get right into my ratings to talk about some of the ways that this is different. For graphics, I gave it a 3.5 out of 10 because just like video pinball, which had sort of a... 70s disco theme to it. This game is a super creative blend of great overlay, video graphics for the ball and the flipper and some of the elements that you hit on the screen, and LED lights for keeping track of score and like how many bonus points you've racked up. And this one changes it up, and since it's called Solar War, it is no longer about disco, but it is tons of the most 70s looking spaceships you will ever see in wildly vibrant colors there's like bright oranges and yellows and pinks all over the place but in a way that still looks pretty good um and as a reminder it's hard to describe look up a video for both of these if you can because it's seeing it in video is the best way to take it in and to understand what it looked like but i really do like the crazy weird 70s space style that they did for this there's tons to look at which is always one of my favorite things when i go to arcades and look at pinball machines just the basically works of art that are on the pinball machines that you can every single like place where you can get points every bumper has some sort of visual interest there uh, so this does all of that and i love it uh, other than the overlay though it doesn't really change anything visually from the original video pinball uh, the LEDs and video graphics are in different spots, as well as the invisible borders that this game uses to kind of mimic what the overlay is showing you as far as the borders of the uh, pinball machine. But nothing was really changed or added, so it's a little bit of a weird case where it still looks really great, but it didn't change that much other than the overlay. So I still gave a lot of points, but I wish there had been some new actual video elements to it. Mm. Yeah, uh, something to keep in mind too is with this kind of weird mirror thing, they actually had the, uh, like the borders 
of the bumpers that would normally be made of wood are actually still there made out of wood also reflected in the mirror so there's like a little bit more depth to it than you could even get on any kind of video um or like emulation because it's actual wood pieces reflected in the mirror so it, it really makes it that super strange combination of video game and real life because there's real life depth there like somebody made this upside down in wood and you're seeing that kind of overlaid on top of the video game part right just a totally unique and like yeah singular way of doing this combo video game and a classic pinball machine so that's why i still gave it such a good score because it still does look so impressive even if it's not technically graphics, you know, it just looks great. Mm -hmm. Moving on to sounds, I gave it a 2.5 out of 10 here. It does a great job mimicking a real arcade cabinet or a real pinball cabinet, just like the visuals. It takes all of the leaps and blops and bloops and whatever you want to call them from the first game and tweaks them just enough so now they sound super sci-fi and like laser shooting which i do love but again i feel like they could have added some music or something or something additional i mean it's very obvious that they were kind of working from the same base hardware as video uh, pinball and just making a new game but i would have liked to see something different but that being said they didn't necessarily have to change anything because it's still this, you know, uh, digital sound, if I'm using the right phrase there, but mimicking the sound that you would get from a pinball machine. It's super cool. It works really well. Moving on to gameplay now. I gave it a 3 out of 10 here. I mean, it's basically just pinball. They, they do it right. Plays exactly like a normal pinball machine. It's exactly what I would have hoped for when uh, we've been playing these other games that are trying to be like a video version of pinball. Um, of course, there's still stuff in the future that says, what if we made pinball different and better in a video version? But for now, I'm still just super impressed if there's a video cabinet that actually, or an arcade cabinet that actually plays exactly like a pinball machine. Uh, so it's still, you know, not innovating necessarily on changing from what the physical pinball machine can do but it's a lot of fun and uh yeah it's just if you like pinball you're gonna like this basically because it's exactly the same and that's a compliment for relevance though i really <laughs> didn't think i could give this much relevance considering how much or how many actually were built and sold so i only gave it a three out of ten here uh, it's still a fantastic game but considering like five or if some of the kits were built maybe like 105 were actually out in the wild i doubt it's super relevant to gaming history i think video pinball is really the one that's going to make its mark for having this type of arcade cabinet exist and overall that left me with a three out of ten it's just a fun time it plays pinball exactly like you would hope video pinball games would play pinball sounds are great visuals are great and it only really suffers in my mind from being similar to its predecessor and not changing any of the stuff it does. But even then, 
doing the exact same thing as Video Pinball, which is, was a great game, is pretty good. Yeah, so those are my thoughts on Solar War. Uh, still, I mean, especially since you got to look at the last one and I got to look at this one, just a wild, cool concept for making an arcade cabinet. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love seeing these. I don't know how many more we're gonna we're gonna find, but I'm totally down to review another one because <laughs> they look so good. They do, they do. All right, let's move on though. We got Touchdown Fever by Telemark Six uh, Systems next. Came out sometime in '79, although the existence is unproven. I think we only have a flyer for it. It's a football game, maybe related to Atari's football. Um, the only pictures we have are the outside of the cabinet so we don't know if it used the x's and o's art style like atari's football did but if i had a guess i'd say it, it does but i don't know for sure and then next we have uh the last game by meadows games mm -hmm. warp speed and it was only a prototype it's it's a shame to say it but at least we get to see what they never got to show the world uh so <laughs> Warp Speed, it obviously didn't have all the features in there, but there are some videos of it. Looks like it could have been something cool. You're kind of as if you're in the cockpit of a ship and what look like planets basically are whizzing by you super fast, sort of like in um, the Atari Starship One kind of style. And it seems like you'd kind of be moving around at a super fast speed and dodging in and out between these planets. So who knows? Could have been something cool. Definitely would have been something weird because it's Meadows Games, and at least they went out working on something that would have done us proud. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, and um, that'll be it for, for them, so let's pay respects now. All right, let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so the next one is the last one that I reviewed. It's called Yosaku by SNK, or maybe also by... I don't know, a company called maybe Orca or Olka. Apparently in the Japanese characters, uh, R's and L's get confused or people don't know how to translate them. So I don't know if it's O-R-C-A or O-L-C-A. But either way, I think it was made by the Orca company. I'm going to call them Orca O-R-C-A. And I think they never really released it or maybe they published it under SNK and then SNK just bought them. Um, or the developers moved to SNK. SNK is a pretty big gaming studio we're going to see for a long time. Um, or is Orca, the, I think this is the only thing they do. So I think it's an Orca game, but it's mostly known as being an SNK game since they're the big ones. Right. But um, there's also another game, by the way, that comes out in 79 that has a similar title to this. So if anyone's out there looking this up, just be careful. This one's called Yosaku. That's it. <laughs> There's nothing else uh, related to that. But um, this is a super weird game, Wes. Super weird. And um, there's no emulation for this game. And I only found one video of it from some person in Japan. So <laughs> again, uh, a little scarce, but... It's the weirdest game I've seen in quite a while. <laughs> I'll do my best to describe it. So in this game, you're a lumberjack. <laughs> and you're, you've got a character here that just looks ridiculous. I, I don't really... It looks like a third grader drew it, to be honest. Like, it just doesn't look good. <laughs> it looks like some really distorted 
dude that's holding up some sort of axe, right? It's weird, like, his his legs are half the size of his body. His body's, like, twice as tall, and his, his head is as large as his legs are. So it's, it's just completely out of proportion and looks super strange. But you're playing a lumberjack, and your main goal is that there's three big trees on the screen, and you want to chop them down. <laughs> Is weird. You, you just kind of go to either side of the tree, you know, hit your button and your dude will swing the axe. And if you're close enough to the tree, it'll start chipping away at the sides in a very kind of realistic way to cutting down a tree. Now, unlike a real tree, when you actually make that final cut, it just disappears. So there's no <laughs> tree falling animation. <laughs> but um, it's all right. So the main game is just to chop, chop down these three trees, but it's really more of a dodging game because each of the three trees are dropping pine cones, I think, is what they are. And you have to avoid those or you die somehow. There's also a ground that you're standing on and there are snakes coming up from the bottom of the screen up through the ground to get at you as well. And you just have to dodge them. And then every now and then we have a bird flying really high across the screen that I guess poops on you or something. And you're dodging that. And then also, every now and then, a boar will run in from one of the sides of the screen at you, and you have to actually chop it to, uh, you know, kill it before it gets to you. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> I know. Chop it with an axe. But um, you're dodging a lot of stuff here. And as I mentioned, there's no emulation. There's only one video. And the video, the guy made... A pretty big effort, in my opinion, to try to make it so that all the trees come down about the same uh, time. I don't know why. So I don't know if that's some sort of extra mechanic. Also, he was able to cut down all the trees once. And originally the trees had a big number one on the, uh, the top of them. Because it's kind of like this big empty tree trunk that you're cutting. And then just, you know, kind of like a Christmas tree shape thing at the top in green the head of the tree and um on that head of the tree there's a big number one and then when he cut down all three of those they respawned and had big number twos so i don't know if it's like a level system a high score thing but i thought that was interesting and then he died he didn't get to level three so or you know cut down all the trees for level two or whatever so it doesn't look like anything new happens in the levels but maybe more stuff spawns i don't i'm not sure what that means um but just a super weird game. Nothing that we've ever seen before like it. It reminds me a lot of um, Dig Dug is kind of like this, right? You kind of have like your own thing you're trying to do and there are people coming at you, right? Um, from top and bottom. And the visuals definitely look like Dig Dug too because I'm just looking it up now. So Yeah, the colors of it are definitely a little Dug, dig Dug as well. Um, pretty much the tree trunks are like a reddish brown. You've got green for the tree tops and a, and a yellow ground with the snakes coming up are actually like black. You just, it's like an outline of a snake, which is cool. The boar actually looks really good. I think when the boar comes and the, the bird is like a dark blue over top a black background. So it's really hard to make out the bird. I don't really know what it is. It's just hard to, to read it. And again, like they're dropping what I think are pine cones, but I have no clue. It's just like a brown, thick looking thing. <laughs> um, and yeah, the whole thing is just super comical. 
and crazy. And also, when you get hit, your character turns to the same dark blue as the bird, so I really can't read it. I don't know what it's supposed to be. I think it's that maybe, maybe you turn into like a ghost for a second. I don't really know what that is. But <laughs> this adds to the mystery of this game. <laughs> um, so with that being said, let me get into my ratings for this tree cutting simulator. <laughs> for gameplay, I mean, I gave it a 3 out of 10, Wes, because it's just so unique and weird. And <laughs> I think it is fun to play. It's kind of like one of those deals where the challenging part about it is that you just have to be a little patient sometimes. And you're going to want to get that one more chop in before that pine cone falls on you. And maybe that's just you didn't have that time. It's kind of like almost you make it as challenging as you want. And I would love to see like a speedrunner play this or something. <laughs> I think it'd be awesome. Your character moves super slow, so it's hard to dodge things. But um, I kind of like the way it's laid out. You you definitely can play the game. Even the parts of the the screen are hard to read and look at from a visual sense. It's easy to dodge all the things you need to dodge. So that part of the game's good. And I like how the trees get cut. They get cut down kind of one chop at a time and the, you know slowly more pixels of that tree disappear in a way that's really nice so there's a lot of parts that i like about it but there's also a lot of really weird parts um but the gameplay is pretty solid i think for um some sort of weird kind of dodging game for graphics yeah i gave this a 2.25 out of 10 because again some parts look good like i think the boar looks really good the snakes look good the trees look good. Your character looks terrible, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and the bird also looks very bad. And also the trees don't fall over, which is sad. They just disappear. It's kind of a mixed bag. I wish also you were playing in a blue sky background. It's The background here is black. So it makes you feel like maybe you're playing at nighttime or something. It's a little strange. And it gives everything like a weird, almost cartoony vibe. Um, but it doesn't make everything fit well together, I think. So, yeah, 2.25 for the weirdness of these graphics. <laughs> for sound, I gave sound a 3 out of 10, because it's actually pretty good. There's a really good axe cutting sound, I think. It almost sounds like um, someone clapping their hands or something. It's not very metal sounding, but I like the way it sounds. I think it's kind of cool. And you also have a constant droning percussive kind of beep. It's it's more of like a like a drum tone to me than than a pong beep. And this happens all the time, kind of like in Space Invaders, which I wish more games would do that because I like having sound in my games and not just having big sections of silence. Um having something constant, it doesn't really get on my nerves because there's a lot of other sound effects at play whenever things happen. So I kind of like that. And then you also have occasional moments of music playing. And the music is also quite good, I think. There's also some weird like Space Invaders noises, but I, I like when the music sections happen. They sound very dis distinct and unique and almost almost like advanced i don't know it's not it doesn't sound the same as like a normal arcade game to me it sounds 
like a game that that would come out like in two years would sound for the music parts. Hmm. So it's still just a single melody, you know, but it's using one of those other kind of waveforms. Like I know that there's like a sawtooth wave and a square wave, but it's something that's different that most games don't usually go for. So it just has a uniqueness about the sound that I'm a big fan of. And I don't know any of the songs in it, but they're all short little songs again, just like in, in uh, field goal I just add a little something so I'm glad that there's some music here and uh, with that though for relevance I don't know I'll give it I give it a little high, five and a half out of ten. It's SNK's first game. They're going to be a bigger company. Although I don't think it was developed by them. I think it was developed by this Orca company. But it's definitely a bit of an unknown. <laughs> um, <laughs> that being said, it's really hard to find. I don't think many people got this game. I don't think many units were produced. Because I think it was made probably by Orca and then... They immediately went under or were bought up by SNK. And then they probably had ideas to do their own thing and they just sold whatever they had. My guess of what happened. Um, but, you know, I wanted to give it some points for how unique it is. And it is wildly unique. Nothing we've ever played before looks like this. So, some points there. And overall, I give it a 2.75 out of 10. I really liked looking at it. It was not it's not the best game ever made, but it's super funny. And um you know, uh, it'll be the the first and hopefully a long line of games where I'm chopping down trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Basically I like it. the uh first survival game. There's a Oh yeah. Yeah, that chopping tree down mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wild. I love it. I, anything just Weird like that, and especially when there's actually some fun to be had in the gameplay. Ah, it's fantastic. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's fun to, to chop down the boar. It's probably my favorite part. Because <laughs> I'm heartless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. And as I mentioned, obviously, there's the Orca version, also known as OLCA. Um, and then there's the SNK version, and there's also a third company in here called NNH that had a clone of this game as well. And now we move on to our computer game section of the honorable mentions. Uh, first up, we have Personal Computing for July, which just had one game we wanted to mention in it, and that is Compute 4, uh, which plays Connect 4 on a computer. Uh, maybe not too, too interesting, but not something we see all the time, so we thought it was worth mentioning. I don't think we've played a Connect 4 game or, you know, rated one. I'd like to rate one sometime. That's true. Some graphics. I'm sure there's some text versions out there. <laughs> so definitely <laughs> we should take a look at some when they have some decent visuals. Yeah. Um, and then moving on to an adventure game here that we chose not to rate because, man, we rated so many adventure games last week. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Voodoo Castle by Scott Adams. I think came out in July of 79. And um, this one is similar to his Mission Impossible. It's not a collect the treasures type game, but it's also not, or it doesn't seem like it's as story driven as Mission Impossible was. It's kind of themed, it's called Voodoo Castle. It's kind of uh, 
almost Halloween themed. I mean, you're you're visiting like a mystic. You're visiting uh like some vampire stuff, opening coffins, or maybe not vampire, but just opening coffins, and uh, you know, just kind of going through this this big. I guess you could say estate. I don't know. There's some inside parts, some outside parts to it. So, <laughs> and a place called the Voodoo Room. So you know that that's awesome. Nice, but nice. <laughs> I'm not really sure the uh, the goal of it. I kind of want to wait because it does release on other systems eventually with graphics. And if we're gonna skip it now, I kind of want to wait and uh, you know, not spoil it my for myself for going forward because I'm sure we'll we'll rate it once it comes out on like a you know that next big gen computer or whatever. So, but yeah, Voodoo Castle Four Scott Adams came out. Uh, now, if you want to hear more about Scott Adams, be sure to check out the Mission Impossible episode. And then moving on, we've got Android Nim again. This one was ported over by Don Dennis. Uh, again, just an animated version of Nim based off the earlier TRS-80 version, this time for the pet. And then to round things out, we have a few soft tape games that we wanted to mention. Uh, the first one is Super Othello or Othello High Res. Uh, it looks like actually a really nice Othello game with some decent graphics, but still an Othello game, so we didn't necessarily want to give that one a full review. And then we also have Racer. This one was sort of this weird uh, chase cam or almost like over-the-shoulder driving type game that actually looks pretty cool. We only had images of it, so we can't tell exactly what the gameplay was like but based on the visuals it looked like you're sort of going towards this pink horizon line in the night driver racing game kind of style mm -hmm. there's also a bunch of other soft tape games that we just couldn't play some of them had images most didn't i'm just going to go through them quick we had stuff like craps crazy eights monster maze micro gammon pro golf one roulette and solitaire poker um, so pretty much what, what you would expect, but <laughs> I'm sure they looked okay. All these, I think were on the Apple two, so they definitely had decent graphics, you know, in color, but, um, you know, nothing that really, uh, seemed too crazy. And that will do it for us today, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Quite a weird one. We had a lot of weird games, especially for me. Started off kind of normal with deep scan from you. <laughs> just kind of a normal yeah. kind of death charge type game but then field goal was a really strange unique take on breakout which is a bit of an old game by now but um i still appreciated all the changes that it made you did solar war which i really wanted you to check out a version of video video pinball because i think it's still you know if i had to do my favorite games of 79 it would be in the top three right now so um, oh, yeah. i'm still really a big fan of video pinball and I'm glad you got to look at Solo War, which is kind of like a sequel almost. And then finally, Yosaku by SNK, the game where you have to chop down trees while fighting off boars and snakes and bird droppings. So <laughs> a super cool game. Definitely, um, I don't know if you guys would be able to find a video. Definitely check out our website because like, that's the perfect place you'll see the video that um, I've been referencing, which has a Japanese like character title. I only found it through other links. So um, definitely check out our website for that one. It'll be super cool to check out. Absolutely. And uh, we've got tons of other crazy stuff on our website. If you, like us, just love all the weird 
wild and basically unheard of games of video game history. And we have tons of them on our website. It's part of the reason that we love going one game at a time through gaming history and not just doing the gaming highlights. So make sure to check us out there. Uh, make sure to keep an eye on our Twitter because that's where we'll always be posting announcements about our episodes. And make sure to send us an email if you have any questions. And with that, we'll catch you next time. See you all next time.